At that time, Jesus said, (laughs) I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alrighty. So I'm wondering if I was to ask you to describe your relationship with someone really close to you, what would you say? Imagine there'd be a whole heap of different answers, like let's say a spouse or a child or a parent. Um, depending on a number of factors, you might say it's close and intimate. You might say it's really hard work. You might say it's fun and exciting. You might even say it's, it's actually almost non-existent right now. We've, we've grown apart. Relationships, of course, are affected by a whole number of factors, and um, in, like what we put into them, time, attention, energy, even finance. They're affected by experiences, by history, things that are out of our control much of the time. Uh, they're affected by also how we see one another. Do we see that person as someone we want to spend time with, want to invest in or, or not? How we see someone shapes the relationship uh, and, and it's shaped by what is said, done, invested into the person. Um, and so if prayer is at its core about relationship with God, if it's a, not just a two-way conversation but a relational bond that's dynamic and it's varied and it's, it's creative and, and it's, it's, it's uh, a, a much more than just talking, but it's a real relationship, then similar question to before, what's your relationship with God like? How would you describe that? Um, I think even more than, than in human relationships, in more so than that, how we see God has a, has a huge effect. How we see Jesus has a huge effect on how we relate with him and how we relate with the Father and the Holy Spirit, how we pray, in, in essence. Uh, God is, if, if God is perfect and unchanging, there's never an issue, therefore, with, with him misunderstanding us or him mistreating us like there is in human relationships. That's just part of human relationships. Um, and so that's not the case with God, but we need a recalibration so often of how we see God and how we interact with him. And so how do we see Jesus, how do we see God? That shapes the whole thing. It shapes our prayer life. It also affects how we see ourselves, right? It it, it shapes our identity, how we view God, views how we see ourselves as children of God. The scriptures say we are made in his image, right? We are made in his image, not the other way around, and yet too often we make God in our image. For example, um, 
what your parents were like when, when you were younger becomes your sort of subconscious assumption about, about God's nature so often. You know, or it might be how that guy treated you back then, how she ignored you the other week, how they mistreated you, whoever it might be. We can so often take that picture of someone close to us and project it onto God. Even worse than that, we can take our own faults and failures and flaws and project them onto God. Well, if God may be, and I'm like that, maybe this is the way God is as well. We assume what God is like if we don't have another voice and perspective come in and shape that. At times, um, I, I would admit that my walk with Jesus, the, the, at times the relationship's been really good. I've, I've seen him rightly in the right way. Um, other times, it's been sporadic and strained, maybe even non-existent at times, uh, mostly because of the image that I start projecting onto God, right? So I start to think or view God as being disappointed with me, or he won't understand, or he doesn't care, or whatever that false image is, and then that shapes the way I relate. But Jesus, the, as Paul says in Colossians, the image of the invisible God, that's who Jesus is, knows we need a recalibration of how we see him. We need that to be reset sometimes, that what our view of God, what our picture of God is really like. And I believe this passage that we just read, Matthew 11, especially verses 28 to 30, uh, which is so often quoted, come to me and come to Jesus and he will give you rest for your souls and blah, blah, blah. You know, but it is so often rushed over. I think it's the opposite of how Jesus would want us to, to read this or hear this, um, which is actually to really slow down and to, to listen to this in particular. When you slow down and, and take it in, I, I think it helps us to reset our view of who Jesus is um, and therefore who, who the triune God is, who the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are and, and are really like. And I think that this, um, the reason for for choosing this passage, um, among other things, the, it has the potential to transform, therefore, the way we pray. After all, that's what we're focusing on at the moment. How we pray is shaped by who we see God is, and I think that this passage is, is key. So, what I'm going to do, I would love you to close your eyes just for the next few minutes. I'm going to read verses 28 to 30 of Matthew 11 again, a little slower, and just hear the words of Jesus for you as I read this. Imagine he's speaking them to you as one of his followers um, and just hear these words. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And just stay with your eyes closed. I'm going to read it again and attempt to go even slower. And just hear these words again, Jesus to you. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle, I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's really hard to do, by the way, (laughs) going that slow for someone like me. I hope that you... These words are beginning to sink in, and I hope they will just over the next few minutes as well. In the next 10 minutes, I want to I want to highlight some things that I saw um, as I just go through verse bit by bit, um, eight different things broken up into eight sections that I, that I think Jesus wants to show us about about who He is, how He wants to interact with us, um, and, and these things I think really shape, will shape, and can shape our prayer life. So. Beginning with, and, and if you wouldn't mind um, going through these for me, um, Martin, that'd be great. Come to me. I think Jesus, first and foremost, wants, uh, wants us to know that when we're facing stuff, when we're facing challenges, when we're in need or at a crossroads, uh, that he wants to be the first person we turn to because he can help. Not, not other things, not things he gives us. He can help. How many of us come to things that we, we, we don't need um, or, or won't help us in our need, things that call us, draw us, and, and we come to them instead of coming to Jesus. If Jesus, I think, if he stopped here and just said, come to me, it would almost be enough for this passage, for this little, little uh, uh, invitation, because it's, you know, come to me, I want to help. I want to listen. I want to provide. I'm not pushing you away, Jesus says. Come to me. Do we see him as not only approachable, like if we come to him, he'll say, okay, cool, I can make time in my schedule for you, but him actually inviting us in and saying he wants us to come to him. Um, Or do we see him as someone who's too busy and important? That's the first uh, shift of perspective we might have in our might need in our relationship with God. He follows and says, all you who are weary and burdened, weary and burdened, are you stopping long enough to, to recognize where you are weary and burdened right now? Because I think we know, we, we have a great ability as human beings to push stuff under, right? And go, oh, I think I'm I'm doing okay. But underneath the surface, there's stuff we haven't been dealing with. And Jesus is someone who wants us to bring our broken selves to him. Not our, look at me, Jesus, I've got it all together. And now you can use me. He doesn't say, come to me, all you who have your life together, so that I can really use you. But that's so often the attitude, I know, in in my mind, Um, I think that if I bury my, we- my weariness enough or my weakness enough and just push through, God will sort of, I think he'll then be pleased with me. And yet, this is not what I see in the lives of other people. Time and time again, what I see when I see God most at work in others 
is those who have come to the end of themselves, right? When there's no more striving, it's just surrender. There's the beautiful work of the Holy Spirit when that happens. And so what burden are you carrying because you think you can handle it because what Jesus wants is to recognize these things so we can surrender them to him, not try and push them away or hide them. Sometimes we know they're there and are just ignoring it. Sometimes we don't know and we need the Holy Spirit to show us. And Jesus says, and I will give you rest, not and I will give you a seven-step plan to defeat that challenge so that once you have conquered it, you can have some rest as your reward. This is the way I think so often, you know, if I do a certain thing, then the reward, the payment, the, 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 the earning from that will be, then I can rest. And Jesus says, I will what? Give you rest. It's a gift. When we come to God in prayer, is rest in his presence something you expect him to reward you with once you've sufficiently spent time in the Bible and spent time in quiet and concentrated long enough and meditated long enough and then, oh, now the peace of God is resting upon me because I've done all that? Or do you come with an expectation that when you turn your attention to him, he's ready to bring rest to your soul right there and then? No matter how long it's been since that's happened before. I I regularly, I hate to admit it, regularly have this experience where sometimes my prayer life goes a bit out the window, I get busy, distracted, and and then I start feeling like this, man, I've got some work to do to get back in God's presence and really feel sort of at peace and to feel his peace. Then finally I sit down one day expecting it's going to take a lot of time, I'm going to have to just be still for and really focus, and then eventually I'll get back into... God's good books or something, or but you know, just back into feeling that that rest, that peace, and and what happens more often than not is, I, I sit down and 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 as soon as I turn my attention to God, there's it's like there's this whisper immediately that the Father's saying, "Oh, I'm so glad you're back." Not after I've worked hard to get to that point, but just it's just I'm so glad you're back, and and it's it's just given that that. Rest is just given as a gift. Jesus goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. So a yoke was a thing, I'm not an expert on this, but a yoke was a thing that um, two animals across their necks, you may know this, like uh, two oxen, there'd be one younger animal and one older, stronger animal, and so um, it would help the weaker, younger animal um, walk in step with the stronger, the stronger animal. Um, and in first century culture, a rabbi, and remember Jesus was a rabbi to his followers, a rabbi's yoke was their teaching or their way, their approach to faith and life and the scriptures. Um, and so what Jesus is saying here is basically this, come live in my way, my lifestyle, the way that I'm teaching you. You've been living a way that has made you burdened, weary, in need of rest. Come live my way and things will be different. So the the gift that Jesus offers is not to sort of magically sweep away the burden and give you this this peace because you've been living one way only for you to go back to that way and then come to him again so he magically sweeps it away and then you go in this cycle. The, the, The invitation is the gift. The invitation to live in a different way and as soon as we turn our attention to him we're starting to live in that way so therefore the gift comes if that makes sense but this is the invitation come 
live under my yoke, come live in my way. Now, you might be thinking, hang on a second, Luke, isn't this supposed to be an easy yoke? I read the rest of the verse. But following Jesus is, you know, like taking up your cross. That's not particularly easy. That sounds heavy. There's challenges. There's sacrifice that we make when we follow Jesus. And that's, that's true. I actually prepared a whole section of this message to kind of talk about, okay, so what, is, what, what about all that? And then promptly deleted that whole section from my notes when I heard John Mark Comer put it this way in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He says this, Aim at an easy life. And your actual life will be marred by gnawing angst and frustration. Aim at an easy yoke, i.e. Jesus' yoke. And as John Ortberg once said, your capacity for tackling hard assignments will actually grow. What's hard isn't following Jesus. What's hard is following myself, doing my life my way. Therein lies the path to exhaustion. With Jesus, there's still a yoke, there's still a weight to life, but it is an easy yoke and we never, and I'd say because, we never carry it alone. And there's the difference. Living in Jesus' way under his yoke means he's the stronger, wiser, older one who bears the weight. Remember the context of this. So Martin read from verse 25. Jesus had been grieving that many people did not accept his message. They did not accept his way and him himself. But then he praised God that those like little children got it. There's a simplicity to all of this. There's, there's a, it's those who think they've formed the better, smarter, wiser uh, what you know, better way that will ultimately be burdened with their own way because they're not yoked to one who is stronger and wiser. And so often, the hardship of following Jesus, the sacrifice, is only really the giving up of our way as we lay down what we thought was helping us. We're actually laying down the burden that can be hard because of selfishness and pride but ultimately we come under an easier yoke where Jesus carries the weight. And so the gift, the invitation is to live in his way, to embrace his yoke. John Mark Comer says this, if we want his life, we must live his lifestyle. If we, if we um, want the kind of closeness to the Father and, and presence with people and, and sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and authority in prayer and all of that that Jesus had... If we want his life, we need to live the way he lived. We need to live his lifestyle. So how do we do that? Well, Jesus goes on to say, and what? Learn from me. It's not like, come live my yoke and then like, good luck with that. Work it out yourself. Learn from me. As we familiarize ourselves with his ways, we can then practice living them. Um, I wonder if you've recently read the, the Gospels and just noticed the habits Jesus had, spending time in the wilderness alone, getting up early, um, even partying with sinners on the other end of the spectrum, right? The lifestyle he had led to the life he had, practicing Sabbath, all of that kind of thing. If we want the life of Jesus, unburdened, live his lifestyle. Um, I heard someone put it this way recently, what would Jesus do 
not, doesn't finish there, not the WWJD bracelets we, we once had. What would Jesus do if he were you? In other words, if he were in your shoes, what would Jesus do if he were a married retiree with no debt? What would Jesus do if he were a 22-year-old student uh, at university with no money? Uh, what would Jesus do if he were a mother of three crazy midgets? Right? What would Jesus do if he were in your shoes? And if we start to think about that, it shapes how we might live. If I really look at the way of Jesus and in my own circumstance, if Jesus were me, I think he'd probably leave his mobile phone at work, give away the TV, um, uh, offload a bunch of responsibilities he didn't really need to have, sell a few luxuries. Also, he could go to bed a little earlier, wake up a little earlier to pray before the kids go up, spend more time with his wife, and I could probably go on, but I won't. Um, and I mean, I mean, I'm enjoying watching the Marvel movies right now from start to finish, um, and as well as all the X-Men movies because of what happened in WandaVision recently and all, all that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying that, but the, the question is, is that going to lead to rest for myself, my, my soul, or just more worry and anxiety? Do I want an easy life or to take up an easy yoke to tackle the hard life is the difference. For I am gentle and humble in heart, Jesus says. And so as we consider how we live, what's the tone of his voice sound like to you? Is it a demanding voice or on the other extreme, does his voice sound careless and uninterested? Or does his voice sound like what our parents sounded like? Or what our school teacher or music teacher or soccer coach or a pastor or, or a person of authority in your life sounded like? Because we can project their nature onto God and assume that's what his voice is like. But his tone is gentle and humble. One paraphrase of this verse says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. <laughs> Love that. And you'll find rest for your souls. When we live in this way, the rest we receive isn't just for the body, it's for the soul. It's entirely possible, of course, to have an excellent quality night's sleep, 12 hours a night every night, and still feel completely unrested at a soul level. Of course, physical rest helps. Nothing wrong with that. It's a good thing. But, you know, even the relaxing activities that we engage in, relaxing, social media, Netflix, Disney+, Plus, all of that, we know they don't actually leave us rested. Um, I don't know if you ever heard this, but the CEO of Netflix, when asked... Um, what's your greatest competition or threat to your service and more people signing up? And he said, sleep. Like they're literally competing with sleep for their business. That's their, that's their goal. That's their aim, how they're developing Netflix. Um, you know, the average, this is before COVID, which is scary. The average watch time for a whole television series on Listen to me, television series? Nobody says television anymore. Anyway, the, the average watch time for a whole series on Netflix was five days. And the amount of people who watch a whole series in one day, um, some of you are like, oh, yep, <laughs> is, is staggering, right? Just binging, and it's socially acceptable to do so. But live in the way of Jesus, and there's a deep rest we experience, not a, not a weariness to our souls. And he finishes saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, not without hardship, that's life, life is hard. It's not without sacrifice, death even, to the stuff that we love. But in the kingdom of God, the stuff that truly dies is that which has no value. The stuff that's of value, death always leads to resurrection, remember? And so this invitation to Jesus' way is for, is for anyone, is for any intellect, 
background, anyone with any failures, anyone can live this way. The only exception is those who think that their way is smarter, wiser, stricter, more efficient, more complicated, whatever, their way is better. They miss out in the kingdom economy because God has revealed this wisdom to those who are like children, open and vulnerable. And so i just leave you with this question. How do you see Jesus and how do you see yourself? How do you see Jesus and how do you see yourself? Is he someone with this invitation and gift to come to me? I want to finish with a story that I think just illustrates this all uh, well. I told Micah that it was, it was so nice that he was... Um, uh, uh, sorry, um, uh, Karen was, was telling Micah that it was nice that he was sharing and, and, and being nice to Josiah. Micah's my four-year-old, Josiah's my two-year-old, if you didn't know. And, um, and uh, Karen messaged me one t- time last week because I've been sort of trying to teach Micah, like, when you get in trouble, which is quite often with the high level of emotions that a four-year-old has, um, and, and he's stealing and snatching and upsets Josiah quite often, um, uh, I, I'll often sit down with Micah if he's had to go to timeout and say, Micah, you know, you need to learn not to do that. And he'll often say, I can't. I can't do it. I can't stop snatching. I just can't. And I'll say... I believe you can, but then, because I know that's not enough either, I'll say, hey, you know you can ask God to help you do whatever it is. And I think that's not sinking in ever, but um, Karen messaged me on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and said this, I told Micah that it was so nice he was sharing and being really kind to Josiah. He answered, yeah, one time when I was in timeout, I prayed to God to help me not to snatch and not yell no, he's helping, and he's helping me be a nice boy. <laughs> Um, the point being that you know we, we, we miss it a lot of the time and sometimes it doesn't sink in but a childlike attitude of we can't do it but maybe if we ask God for help he can help us not in a kind of a cliche I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me kind of way but in a um, you know what when it comes to what I know pleases God and what I know blesses others I can do all things through Christ through being yoked to him living in his way with that childlike attitude thank you father that you've revealed these things to those who are like children and not to the wise and learned jesus says